academics is really being diminished in in place. We're seeing agendas being driven in. There's students right now that are graduating high school who do not know how to count money back when they're making change. There's students who do not know how to read or write. They, they don't know how to send mail, and yet they know how to be activists or they know all of these other things that they've been really pushed to believe from some school staff. Hey, Joyful Warriors, welcome to the Joyful Warrior podcast with your host, Tiffany, Moms for Liberty, and I am joined by um, someone that I'm proud to call my friend um, and a peer that has been doing amazing research, Kelly. You can follow her at Kelly Ski, K-E-L-L, S-K-E on Twitter. Kelly is a California mom who came to do research about public schools and what's happening in America in very much the same way that I did and that you did by being a little bit concerned about what they, she was seeing in her own children's school. So welcome, Kelly, to the Joyful Warrior podcast. And we're so excited to have you here today to talk a little bit about the research that you've been doing and what parents need to know about their kids and the whole community, whole child CDC model of schooling. Thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. I'm excited to be here. This is a really important topic to cover, something that is being implemented nationwide as we speak, and I'm glad to talk about it today. So tell us a little bit, Kelly, whole school, whole community, whole child, um, the CDC. How did you start learning about um this model and and give us an idea. I know you're going to show us some videos and take us on the website today to give us a better idea of how to wrap our heads around the fact that um, our schools are being turned into health clinics. Right. Absolutely. Back in 2016, I first heard about social emotional learning in our child's school. And at the time, I was told that this model was to educate the whole child. So that was that phrase presented to me in the first time. I continued on reading about that beginning then and really carrying through. And just over probably a year and a half ago, I started looking into that and I stumbled upon this whole school, whole community, whole child. And it was surprising right on the CDC's website, I was seeing that education and health work were already combined to implement these community or healthy schools nationwide. And the purpose was educational equity and health equity. But this plan is tremendously big and it's very involved. And there's many private and public sectors that are working together, many funders as well. But I first found it just simply doing an internet search like any parent may do. And it led me down this very uh, intense rabbit hole, so to speak. So yeah, parents need to know that it is absolutely taking education, the idea that that education is solely about math, science, reading, all of those things. And it is now focused on what they call a holistic model, a holistic approach of education, where the, the schools are now taking care of the child, their nutritional needs, their health needs, all of these various factors, their psychosocial, emotional needs. And that may sound good, but it's always important to look beyond 
the marketing message and see what's really going to occur in these schools. And so today in America, when we have all of these instances of schools keeping secrets from parents, I know you and I have discussed two cases in Florida where children have been put into a gender transition program without the consent or knowledge of parents. The idea that um, children would be given access to medical care or medicine or treatment in schools without the parents' informed consent about this is just horrifying. Um, you know, as a mom, um, I know that my children, even at, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, they don't understand their medical history. They don't understand uh, or are not in a position to be making medical decisions for themselves. And, and my husband and I um, really take it our responsibility to direct the upbringing of our children, including their, their health care, very seriously. Um, so give us, let, let's take a look if you, if you want at, at some of the videos, I'm going to maybe play this first video. Would this give parents a good idea of, of a little bit more about the whole school, whole community, whole child model? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of videos out there and okay. this one definitely is important. How do we help communities improve health and learning for youth ages 13 to 18? CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, or DASH, supports many components of the whole school, whole community, whole child model, also called WISC. Health Education. The health and safety of adolescents is improved when they acquire the knowledge, attitudes, and skills for making healthy decisions, adopting healthy behaviors, and promoting the health of others. Health Services Youth are generally healthy, but they can be healthier and more supported when preventive health services are available in their schools. Services can include STD and HIV testing, counseling, health education, and referrals to other teen-friendly health services. Counseling, psychological, and social services. Youth feel safer and more supported when they have access to services that reinforce their mental, psychological, social, and emotional health. Social and emotional climate. Schools that foster safe and supportive environments develop students who feel more connected to their schools, are stronger academically, and engage in fewer risky behaviors. Family engagement. It's important for parents to participate in their student's school life by supporting health services and education programs. Family engagement protects students and leads to better academic and health outcomes. Community involvement. Youth are more engaged and motivated when they work on projects that benefit their local communities. These projects can help youth develop academic skills and healthy behaviors. Coordinating policy, process, and practice. Student health and academic performance improve when there are coordinated school policies, processes, and practices. Enhanced coordination between students, parents, schools, and communities helps move the WISC model into action. DASH supports the model by funding school-based HIV and STD prevention 
developing research and program tools, monitoring health behaviors, policies and practices, and creating partnerships and communication resources. The six highlighted components are one way DASH upholds its mission. The coordination ring is a key to everyone making the model actionable. These four components are also important. CDC and other national organizations assist schools in implementing them. The WISC model, when implemented across schools, families, and communities, can greatly improve health outcomes and academic performance for all youth. The complete WISC model and definitions for all components can be found on the WISC webpage. Okay, Kelly, so we just watched this video about uh, the, the WISC model, and I'm a little concerned as a mom <clears throat> because I'm watching this, and, and it's showing the CDC has, like, so much control over what is happening within the public education system. How many parents do you think recognize the amount of influence and power the CDC has in our schools right now? I think very few. I think... It is, it is a topic that we must get out to families and help them to understand that this takes all the educational concerns we're currently seeing and it amplifies them. And it also includes far more government involvement in your child's lives, in their data collection, in all kinds of community partnerships that the government decides they're partnering with, not you, the private citizen. And really, we're seeing a, a usurp, a, they, they are usurping parental rights in this because the, the intent, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is to really get to a place where students are making decisions about their health care separate from their families. So I saw with the DASH model, they talk about monitoring behavior. Let's dip into this for a second. How are they monitoring student behavior in schools? And, and are they monitoring student behavior outside of schools as well? Well, I would definitely say that through many surveys and different data collection tools through online learning platforms, there are many ways that school staff and teachers can monitor what's occurring on those, uh, you know, different classroom, internet, ed tech uh, programs. And so they're able to see how students interact. Um, they're able to see how they respond to questions in the midst of a slideshow presentation. And through a healthcare model, if they're providing dental reproductive healthcare, as they call it, or other services, these physical wellness checkups or dental, and they begin maintaining medical records for students on campus, then what we're going to see is all of that data, all of that information entered into a data computer system and all of that being taken and considered with regards to family. And this very well may include, which we're already seeing little hints and signs of, is parental attitudes and responses to different teachings and different ideas. And so really trying to analyze how does the parent feel about this? Is the parent supportive of what we want to do at the school? And if the parent isn't supportive of that, now the parent has become what? The enemy? Because they don't go along with what the school and the CDC wants? Is that, I mean, are we at a, are we in a place right now where parents should be concerned 
about custody of their children, because that seems to be the direction where we're going. And, and I think for a lot of parents, that is just horrifying. It is definitely something that parents need to be aware of. Uh, the model does intend to get to a place where, yes, social workers are operating on campus. The model already has a plan that says right now that it is solely voluntary, but there is a well-marketed plan for teacher or staff home visits. So for the government staff of the school to come into your home and educate families on all kinds of different things, you know, nutrition is being discussed and all kinds of other topics so that it's being marketed in a way that's very um, helpful and a partnership. But in reality, we have to think and understand why does the government need to be coming into our home and will voluntary turn into uh, a requirement? So it's hard when you're looking at this because from the outside, you know, you think, well, of course we want every child to have all of their needs met. And of course we want to make sure that children are safe, you know, wherever they are, whether that's at home or at school. And of course we want children to, to have good nutrition but I keep coming back to the place where we have monstrous educational failure happening in America. And when we look at schools and their inability to teach children the basics, right, to teach children how to read, how to write, how to do math, why would we trust them um, to implement different medical procedures and, and implement different medical facilities and, and practices and processes on school grounds? And why... Why is this happening? Why is the CDC and the government pivoting now to really capture our schools to be able to use them for this type of interaction with communities? Well, it definitely allows for more government, bigger government, more government involvement in every child's life. But as far as the origins of this, we can actually trace this back to um, United Nations and the World Health Organization. There is an active measure by the United Nations to transform education. They have five thematic tracks, and one is to develop safe, healthy, equitable, and inclusive schools. And a healthy school is exactly what a community school also is. And uh, community schools actually are not um, new to the globe. They're already occurring in other countries. And so America is participatory in this plan, which really goes all the way back to that UN World Health Organization aligned uh, in intent. And what are the incentives for schools to participate in this type of a program? Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what that looks like? As far as schools, they're, they're definitely being told to embrace these models. There's a lot of funding behind it. I mean, billions of dollars already committed um, to this plan. And I think one of the things that we also need to be aware of is that some of the ways that teachers and school staff are being trained through their level of training and amidst different conferences that they attend they're actually undergoing training to how to deal with those who are resistant to change. And so what does that mean? Yeah, I want to understand. Yeah. So there's actual training going on uh, to, to learn how to work with people in the community who are not 
wanting this to to happen in their schools. Yeah, because as we see the increase of what's called culturally responsive teaching, when we see an increase of equity and um, all of those ideas and social emotional learning, when we see an ideology taking over and taking root, um, it is definitely something where there's, they're undergoing trainings because some people are going to maintain their individualism and they're going to be concerned about the changes, not just because they may disagree with the changes, but they don't see a positive impact of these changes. It's kind of like uh, some of the teachers who have shared that academic rigor has diminished. And in its place, ideology has been presented to students. And it's interesting because even in the midst of, for example, students are being taught at increasing levels about climate change and being a global citizen, but the way in which we're about to see more of this brought into the schools through ed tech is possibly through video games that teach gaming for climate change. But in reality, they're simultaneously encouraging video games like this on a global scale, while they're also diminishing science and diminishing mathematics. But if they truly believed in climate change, they would want to increase mathematics and increase science so that these students could become the scientific problem solvers of issues in the future. Otherwise, they're just investing time in video games. Right. And so this is the hypocrisy that we see so clearly. For those of you that listen to James Lindsay and the New Discourses podcast, he's been talking about um, the theft of education and Paulo Ferreri and others um, that have really changed what the goal of education is, that it's not for children to be functionally literate, to understand, to be able to read, to be able to do math, to be able to understand science and participate um, in science. Uh, It's much more about the children being politically literate. Um, And so as we see the shift away from practicable skills to political literacy in schools, we also see this shift um, away from the focus on academics and and towards this whole community, whole child, whole school model. Um, And so again, I I submit the question, um, are they doing such a good job in all of the other areas of our children's education that this somehow is, we have room for this to be a priority. Um, and, and again, we come down to the question of the boundary between school and home. What is the role of the parent? What is the role of the school? With parental rights come responsibilities. I take my responsibilities as a parent very seriously. The, my, my rights are to direct the upbringing of my children. It's also my responsibility to direct the upbringing of my children, and that includes their education and medical care. So as we continue to dive down into whole school, whole community, whole child, again, the WISC model of the CDC pushing into schools, parents need to be very aware of the concerns. Kelly, I think it's fair to say over the past two years, we've seen that the CDC is influenced by a lot of other people besides uh, having their own direction and, and really following the science, we saw that teachers' unions had undue influence in the reopening of our schools and that the, the um, scientific judgments and medical judgments of the CDC or recommendations were affected um, and, and allowed to be um, changed by uh, political actors like the teachers' unions or like the Biden administration and some of their folks there. 
Um, so when we look at this UNESCO, UN, World Health Organization influence, um, you know, it's hard to believe that they really want what's best for America. And so this makes me really concerned that perhaps they're pushing this into our American public schools. Again, federal government needs to know its place in education. Education should be happening at the state level and below. Um, the, the federal government has never been supposed to be involved in this way in our schools. And yet it seems like they're about to completely capture them with this type of a program. It does. And this is something that they started talking about in the 1980s. And then in 2007, this organization, ASCD, which goes by that acronym, but used to be by their full name, the Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development. They are a global organization. They are the ones credited with joining the Center for Disease Control to combine these two fields into one, education and health for equity. Um, and then in 2013 is when this meeting convened of what they said were experts who then helped to prepare the launch in 2014 of this model. And to be having the school so incredibly involved. I mean, I talk to parents in different parts of the country, and it's really interesting to understand in different states what level of government involvement is demanded of the family and what kinds of questions are being presented to students in schools, um, either required through certain surveys or other formats. But this model is so much more involved. And it's also intended to treat the school system like the nucleus of a community in which there's uh, also community partnerships that are established. So for, um, you know, perhaps ethnic studies, they'll perhaps partner with a different community organization. And it could be an activist organization, certainly. Um, and then that would be considered fulfilling uh, a type of community partnership because students are going to be encouraged to now live out what they're being taught in the schoolhouse. So just like you said, the great resources um, and information that James Lindsay has provided, definitely students are in a place where they're not just being taught to civically engage, but then they may be very well going out and registering voters and they may be serving at elections and doing all kinds of of different um, activism as well. So these things are important to kind of keep in mind where we're at just the beginning, but this intended full fruition yeah. of this model. Yeah. So schools can't do it alone. We they, they cannot, right? We do need the community to be engaged in wanting children to do well in school, but this is a whole different type of community engagement where you're really giving away parts of the child's education and time in school to outside organizations. And the question really becomes, how much oversight is there and how much influence will parents be able to have in knowing and understanding and directing their child's education? Parents, when I talk to you and when we talk about fundamental parental rights, you have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of your child. That includes their education. But you cannot direct something if you are in a reactive position constantly. In order to be able to direct, you need to have curriculum transparency. You need to understand what groups will be coming into schools and what information they'll be sharing with your children 
children. And so again, just super important to understand that this is opening up our schools to all kinds of outside influence. And, and you need to really ask yourselves, who is going to be influencing the education of my child? And do I want the CDC to have this amount of influence on my child's daily life? Um, Kelly, you want to play another video? Should we try, you want to play the second one and we can ha let people take a look at that? That'd be great. Yeah. How do we help communities improve health and learning for youth ages 13 to 18? CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, or DASH, supports many components of the whole school, whole community, whole child model, also called WISC. DASH supports the model by funding school-based HIV and STD prevention, developing research and program tools, monitoring health behaviors, policies and practices, and creating partnerships and communication resources. The six highlighted components are one way DASH upholds its mission. The coordination ring is a key to everyone making the model actionable. These four components are also important. CDC and other national organizations assist schools in implementing them. The WISC model, when implemented across schools, families, and communities, can greatly improve health outcomes and academic performance for all youth. So they say that this improves health outcomes, which perhaps, I mean, there is no doubt if a child has a toothache, if a child is hurting in some way, it would be very difficult for them to focus on school. And so, again, this comes into the, the responsibility of the parent uh, to take care of the child and the health of the child. And here we have the school district wanting to be the parent, right? I'll remind everyone, we will partner with our children's schools, but we do not co-parent with the government. Um, so your role as a parent is important. You need to take care of your children's health. Um, but we also see in this video, they're talking about improving academic outcomes. Kelly, what are they basing this on? What data do they have to support these types of interventions as far as academic outcomes are concerned? And can we trust them? Well, and I would, I would want to ask those who are putting forth what they say is this data that supports their entire plan, what, how do they measure academic outcomes? And the, even that phrase, education, academic outcome, how are they now reframing these definitions to fit their agenda? Because widespread, we've seen, uh, like I mentioned earlier, where academics is really being diminished in, in place, we're seeing agendas being driven in. We're seeing schools teaching sustainable development goals and having students partake in project-based learning so that they are the ones to solve a sustainable development goal or variety of things. These, these are taking away from kids just being able to read and write, even above, you know, at grade level. But there's students right now that are graduating high school who do not know how to count money back when they're making change. There's students who do not know how to read or write. They, they don't know how to send mail. And yet they know how to be activists or they know all of these other things that they've been really pushed to believe from some school staff. And so how do they even measure what is their academic outcome? How are they redefining what health even means? Health is now becoming a very loaded term. Even that phrase health equity, how will that sure. be measured? All of these things are important to really look at the language. Uh, you know, for for example, 
In whole school, whole community, whole child, we hear whole as a repetitive phrase, and that could even be applied to whole institution, whole of government, whole system, whole health. But what does whole mean? Well, repeatedly, it's referred to as a holistic approach, and this is not to be mistaken for um, naturopathic type medicine or care, but holistic is often regarding to a whole, all parts really according to a whole. And that needs to be understood from parents that it's it's to be looked at as um, an ideology that has various theories and philosophies behind it to make it what is whole. So when you think of whole, you may think of something in completion, but actually whole is an ideology that that includes um you know different like i said theories but also spirituality is woven into that and they're really applying that to everything so when so i wanted to ask you about that so right. whole the idea of the whole child the idea of the whole so whole school whole community whole child we talk about health for a moment let's talk about health with our children we as parents knew that was what was happening during COVID was bad for our children's health. We knew that the masking was bad for their development. We knew that them not going outside or playing on playgrounds or going to the beach and having fresh air was bad for their health. And yet suggestions and mandates and lockdowns were made that pushed these things on parents that parents knew inherently, right? We knew that these things weren't good for our kids. So it can't, you know, when you're watching all of this, parents, and go back, and we're going to go to the website in a second for um, the CDC, and I'll actually start to pull that up. I, I want to encourage parents to go to the CDC website, and I'll pull that up now, actually, because I really want to take a look at it with you while we have you, Kelly, to go to the website and really take a look at what is being shown. Um, and let's see what, what this website looks like. Um, because I want parents to know, and, and they need to make the judgments for themselves, who should be directing the health of your child? Who should be making decisions about what a healthy child is um, and should be? And, and the answer is the parent, not the CDC, and certainly not the school. Um, so when we look here, it talks about what is the WISC model, and it's a framework for addressing health in schools. And it talks about it being student-centered and emphasizes the role of the community in supporting the school the connections between health and academic achievement, and the importance of evidence-based school policies and practices. Again, we go back to that evidence-based and we question, what is that evidence? Is that just evidence they are providing that they have collected to support what it is they would like to have happen? The answer to that is yes. In fact, that is where the evidence comes from. Um, and so when we look at the 10 components, we've talked about this, we've shown the videos, there are the 10 components there. And we're gonna go down a little bit and we're going to visit what does a healthy school actually look like. So parents, brace yourselves. You're going to go to the CDC website. You're going to type in WISC model. You're going to be brought to this page. And we're going to look at the virtual healthy schools. Let's see the model in action. Put your seatbelts on. Enter here. Okay, so here we are, Kelly. We're at the entrance to the Visit Our Healthy School. So first of all, there's no tobacco. That's good, I guess, right? We can be happy about that. Uh, puberty blockers may not be able to say the same, but no tobacco. So, you know, feel free, feel good, parents. Where should we go from here, Kelly? Well, 
I will describe for every parent who's going into their virtual healthy school here, um, first, it's important to understand it's it's very much like an interactive video game in a sense where you can go into each of these rooms through these doors or through the bottom menu, and then you can interact with various things in the room. Now, one thing I think of from a marketing perspective is that this looks like something that has been really thought through, really intensely marketed. And when you're being marketed, it's always important to think about keywords, uh, images that you're being shown, and little subtle messages that you're receiving, because that's how marketing works. So let's first go to the health center through that uh, blue door at the bottom. This little blue door. So for everyone that's listening right now, you have a choice. You can go in the cafeteria, the gymnasium, uh, lots of different grades, K through 12, and they're separated out a little bit. The staff lounge, hmm, playground, nurse's office. Let's go to the health center. As Kelly said, let's take a look at what happens there. Oh, here's the health center. Right. Okay. So this is, this is a doctor's office, Kelly, now in, in a school? Yes. This is a full service health clinic um, providing dental and vision uh, psychosocial, emotional support, social workers, counselors for services that, and this, keep in mind, is the full intended fruition of this plan. Uh, some people say, well, that's not happening in my school, but it it is, it is working towards this. And in just about every single state in the nation, we're working towards this. So this is where you can click on their services directory, which is one of the furniture pieces in this health clinic room. And you'll see that they're going to have an array of services that address many components of health. Do they give you a list, parents, of every single health um, service that they plan to offer? And do they detail this out? No. It's also important to understand that with a well-marketed plan, with something that they want to do, Keep in mind, are they going to show you, the parent, what you may be concerned about? Um, are, it, this, is, this is marketing in place. So this is something to be aware of. When you are being marketed a message, keep in mind, they're not going to provide you the list of things you may be concerned about. They're going to present this in a very w- way, uh, I would say, um, beautiful light so that those who will be able to look at this could be receptive and and positive when they walk away. But here, um, they're talking about well-child visits. They do say sexual abstinence counseling. Um, But I will say that the CDC DASH model, which embraces this, actually embraces a comprehensive sexuality education model, which very much is um, not in support of a abstinence-only plan. So um, for anybody that's familiar with CSE, as they call it, um, that is definitely something to be um, included in these models. Pregnancy testing, sexually transmitted infection diagnosis and treatment, um, full reproductive health care services. Wow. 
So f- sexual abstinence counseling, for those of you that may not know, and you can look up comprehensive sex education that's been passed and is being taught in many districts around the country, talks a lot about sexual citizenship. Abstinence has changed, moms and dads. Abstinence does not mean what it meant when we were in school, which meant to not engage in sexual activity, to wait until we were older, until we were married. Abstinence now means um, to not get pregnant and ways that you can engage in sexual activity. And uh, there may be little ears listening, so I'm going to keep it uh, kind of above board. But um, imagine all of the other things that you could do with a partner that wouldn't involve pregnancy coming into play. They are actively teaching all of these things as parts of abstinence programs. So we're going to have Kelly back at some point to dig more into comprehensive sex education because we know you guys need to know more about it. Kelly, when I look at the full range of reproductive health services, including birth control, uh, what pops into my mind is Proposal 3 in Michigan. And Proposal 3 in Michigan said that all individuals have the right to sterilization, to abortion. So when we're looking at a school offering a full range of reproductive health services, I would imagine that puberty blockers, um, abortion. I mean, these are all things that could be included under that that banner of full reproductive health services. Am I correct in thinking that? Yes. And, and many organizations actually define health equity to include all of those things. And in Washington state, where many school-based health centers, that's that right in the middle under primary care services, you see that acronym SBHCs. SBHCs are school-based health clinics or centers. And these are already taking place in Washington state where many of these uh, services are accessible to certain ages that are minors without parental consent. And that is definitely where we see this model going um, for under the banner of health equity. So yes, you're correct. And health equity, meaning that everyone should have the access to health care that they need, and health care has become very, very broad. Um, how are these things being paid for, Kelly? Um, if a student is is engaging in these types of, of services at school, whether it's counseling, whether it's ha- how are these things being paid for? Because I'm seeing some different rumblings about that. And again, when we look at the amount of money that goes into public education and the constant cry for more and more money, where, who, who's getting the, who's footing the bill for all of this? Much of this is taxpayer dollars. Uh, there was a great guide put out. Um, it was, it was actually put out by the state of Arizona and it was great in the sense that it was transparent. I, it was, it was somewhat transparent and in the sense of understanding how certain ESSA and ESSER funds were being used, but additionally funding is coming at the federal level, at the state levels, at the local level, and then through private funders and organizations. But absolutely, this is going to be a lot of taxpayer-funded money to provide all of these services in, in our school systems. And, you know, it's kind of like now, here in the state of California, there's different community organizations that are approved to come and guest speak in schools. And when they do so, they may receive a large sum of money and a contract. So that's taxpayer funding for the school that then goes to the private organization that's guest speaking in the school. And the school is the one determining how much of those funds are used. And in accordance with the community schools model, we'll see that 
increase. And what's really important in this image and in each room is for parents that go here, interact with each of these. Click right there. Um, That's actually where they plan to keep the medical records for the students. So in school-based health care, um, they will be providing, it says right there, integrated health care services on the school premises. And it's all about making a significant difference in health outcomes. That sounds great. Um, we want all of our students to be healthy, but we also think it's really important to be as we, the people, very involved in a lot of these types of decisions and specifically to maintain our right that we have, as you said before, to direct the upbringing of our children. And uh, so you'll see there, um, it talks about patient privacy, you know, in the state of California, if, if if your child is a certain age, you, the parent, have to get permission from your child to see their medical record or get a copy of it. And this is the direction we're taking. So again, this is an early phase and it would be very easy to apply these community schools across the nation and then legislatively to work towards eroding those parental rights and giving students that Um, student agency, so to speak, as they would say, over their health separate from their parents. And it really gets us into a place where these children are being uh, given the authority to make very serious decisions about their health care and their lives without the person or persons who love them and care about their best interests in mind more than any teacher who just jumps in their lives and jumps out and really may not understand the child or the whole picture, even though they say they advocate for the whole child. Well, and Tiffany, there's a really important facet of these community schools or healthy schools that the public needs to be aware of. And that is who is funding this, as you said before. And it's important to understand that this little clip that we're about to show uh, doesn't give the the entire picture of every funder, but it does give us a little window into some of the funding measures. What has been remarkable over the last five years, and by no means has it been um, solely the work of ASCD or solely the work of CDC, but rather it's been the work across the country from different stakeholders, is that WISC has become the next evolution of the coordinated school health approach. It has become the model and framework for aligning education and health and the community. And it has become the focus for a a lot of agencies, associations and funders who are invested in the health, wellbeing, growth and development of our children and youth. I do know offhand that we have had not only Robert Wood Johnson Foundation step up with funding. We have had um, United Way step up with funding. We have had Blue Shield step up with funding. We have private hospitals that have stepped up with funding. And I expect that to continue for the next five years moving on. So lots of different people that want to fund this, that are looking to fund this type of work. Let's talk about that for a minute, Kelly. Yeah. And it's something important to look into. Who are these organizations? And what is their focus and why? 
you know, we we think of these different organizations, including private hospitals and um, certain insurance companies. This is something to really be asking ourselves, why? Why are they funding this? What is their purpose? Do they receive something in the end through this? What is really going on? And so the questions are important to be asking who, what, when, where, why, how. Parents need to be regularly investing in just questioning these these actions because we've all experienced situations where we see if if you've ever been a patient at a hospital or had an insurance claim, they're really about protecting their funding and ensuring that people pay their bills and pay all of the those those things and they protect their bottom line. And why would they now be putting so much money into these models? What's what's going on? And so while I don't have the the specific answers to everything, I have a lot of red flags and I think that parents nationwide will also have those red flags when they start to just look through what's accessible on on the web, on YouTube. You'd be surprised what kinds of things. I mean, they're very transparent about their plan and it's important for us to do our due diligence and look into this, ask the appropriate questions, talk to legislators, see if there's something that they can do. Look into what ways the WISC model is being implemented in your state and speak with your local politicians abroad to see who could be able to help protect parents and the family. Because this this model, again, really well marketed, but I don't just believe the marketing because too often in life we see a bait and switch. And I don't want to be taking the bait and then get the switch. I want to maintain my ability to parent my children. And I think many parents nationwide want that too. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff coming down uh, to our schools and our families and our communities. And uh, it's very clear um, that although we uh, should be focused on local control and Moms for Liberty is focused on getting good school board members elected um, and and helping them to do their jobs, this is something with the, the, the whole child model, the whole school, whole community, whole child model that everyone needs to be aware of, school board members included. And it is uh, usurping of parental rights. The the um, window for that to happen um, is opened in so many different ways by inserting health clinics into schools. And parents, again, you know, we, we will partner with our kids' schools, but we do not co-parent with the government. So every time we see the government and government schools overreaching into our lives and into our children's lives, it's really important that we draw that line, that we put that stake in the ground and we remind schools, these are our children. We direct their upbringing and their care. And you need to ask our permission before you change uh, the way that our children are being educated in schools before these things uh, happen in this way. So Kelly, thank you for coming on and talking to us about um, the WISC model. For parents that want to learn more, um, just give them a brief overview of, of some different sites they can check out, how they can follow you, how they might be able to follow some of our friends if you think there is anyone else that they should follow to get some more information about these types of issues. And then I will just say to you, um, we're going to have you back. Uh, to talk about comprehensive sex education um, and to talk about more um, about the theft of education that is happening in America today. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many great parents and 
community members and different people who are doing this research. And it's it's actually something that any parent, I would encourage any parent to do. Because one of the things I do want to get across, and you can follow me at on Twitter at K-E-L-L-Y-S-K-E there on the screen, or you can find me um, a time to stand.substack.com. But really deep down, when I first started researching, it was because I saw a concern in my child's school. But at the time when I saw that concern, I had no idea how to find a board agenda. I had no idea how to go to a school board meeting, how the process worked, when to speak. I didn't know who to ask about curricula. I had no tools in my toolbox, but through the process of asking good questions, of meeting other parents and connecting, I was able to gain all of these tools. And simply, you'd be surprised what you can find searching a hashtag, searching on social media, searching on uh, your internet search engine. You can find a lot. It's really transparent. So I encourage everyone, don't be discouraged if you feel like you're not not to the level of understanding everything, with the right mindset, you can actually do this and you can you can learn a whole lot. And so I'm there. There's so many great people. Um, you mentioned James. Um, we've got a lot of leaders in your organization. Lisa Logan is another follow. And just make sure that you're being informed so you can make the best decisions about your family. And we recommend anyone who's concerned, go to the Moms for Beauty website. We're going to be putting some resources up about the WISC model so you can uh, learn more about it. Kelly, thank you for taking the time to walk us through this very complicated and well-orchestrated plan to make our schools community health clinics. Um, Important information for parents and taxpayers to know. And we hope that you have a a really great day and keep up the research. Come back soon to keep us uh, filling us in on these issues. Glad to do so. Thanks for having me. 